Welcome to Business Leader Breakthroughs, where we help unlock the potential in you, your teams, and your business. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We'll share insights, experiences, and stories on achieving breakthrough success in business and life. To learn more, click the link in the episode show notes or go to thebreakthrough.co. Now let the breakthroughs begin. Mike, welcome along to this special edition of our podcast. Ryan, I'm super excited, as they say, on all the podcasts we've ever listened to. <laughs> Not super excited, but maybe super insightful. Ooh, nice. You like that? Yeah. And the reason this is a special edition of the podcast is it comes off the back of a recent survey we ran across operations leaders in New Zealand, surveyed over 100 of them in the productive sector and really looked to find out what was going on for them, what challenges do they face, how are they thinking about growth, how are they going coming out of the COVID situation. Um, And we have a full report on that, so we'll put a link to that in our show notes if people want the deep dive data, but we thought we'd utilise this podcast to give people some kind of high-level insights to what we learned from those ops leaders giving their insights to us. Yep, that's, um, and I think, you know, the high-level bit is the key thing. I think what we're looking for is what are the practical implications of this for business leaders, especially in in the operational sector. Mm. And as part of this, we also did a uh, webinar and we partnered with Cameron Bagri Economics. Uh, Cameron used to be the chief economist at ANZ for over over a decade. And we were interested to see if what he was observing at a macro level was being reflected in the audience we were talking with. And he had some pretty interesting insights. Yeah, he did. Uh, he probably made, you know, some of them that we, we know he kind of confirmed, like supply is the key problem, uh, supply of people, um, that's certainly been the experience of the people we talk to is finding skilled, talented people is has practically never been harder. We're close to full employment and even though there's a high level of unemployment, they're not available labour in that sense. So supply, um, supply chain, people, he talked about that we're um, part of the gap arises from an underinvestment in skill development, which we've certainly seen. Um, and uh, a message that was very close to our hearts was around the absolute necessity to drive productivity growth, that all roads lead back to productivity. And we, we kind of picked that one up and we'll talk about it a little bit later. And I think what uh, came in alongside the skill shortage and the challenge around getting good people into organisations is Cameron's also predicting a significant brain drain to Australia. Yeah. He is seeing higher wages over there. He's seeing lower cost yeah. of cost of living. And when you, the Australian economy is also facing a skill shortage, yeah. he is going, I see even more challenge about retention of staff because many of them are going to look across the ditch and go, hey, there's a better option for me over there. So I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, and look, that's been the historical situation for many, many years. We we used to, a long time ago, before we were born, have, you know, income parity with Australia, but it's a long time since that happened. It's since the mid-70s we've seen this this brain drain occurring, and, you know, when there's a 30 to 40% income differential, why would you? You know, it's... um, Plus quite nice weather in certain parts, although there's a lot of jellyfish. And snakes and, snakes and, and things know, that kill crocodiles. You. And Nothing kills yeah. you here. Yeah, well. so true. 
look, I think the uh, insight we got from a lot of our survey respondents was COVID was the train smash that never happened. Yeah. Uh, yes, it created uh, short-term impact for people, but for industries outside of tourism, retail, hospitality, mm. actually most of the in- industries that we surveyed here being productive sector, uh, they didn't weren't adversely affected and are now seeing a return to quite strong demand. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I think there was, for the most of them, there was a sharp decline and then a really sharp recovery. It's, you know, kind of the snapback recovery. Um, just keep just keep reflecting on, you know, 12 months ago, we were just out of lockdown and still uh, we were sitting there thinking, man, is, is, is the global economy even going to survive? Is Western, you know, is society going to survive? It was just so huge. So we count our blessings. Um, and the reality has been, you know, people are just have been... Uh, under intense pressure and then hasn't let up one bit. So what we're observing is significant demand for many uh, parts of the economy, mm. uh, real supply challenge, both material and labor. Mm. So the, the answer goes, if you can't pull harder on, on those levers, then it's gotta be a productivity improvement. And how do you go about productivity improvement? And, and productivity, you know, we should always have been concerned about this, but we've tended not to be. Uh, we've tended to, because of the uh, asset prices have probably distracted us, um, diverted our, our view, but really most businesses, most of us should be aiming to improve our productivity 6 to 7% every year. That's what we should be aiming at, which is just, you know, more output for the same inputs. That drives profit, it drives better margins, it drives more sustainable business, it's more satisfying to work in, it's more satisfying to, to be part of. So what do you need for that increasing productivity? We need to have smarter people who are thinking about things that they haven't traditionally thought about. We need to develop their skills so that they're able to learn and adapt and evolve and continue to improve the business. And of course, we need to invest in technology. Te- technology often has that kind of uh, productivity effect, but the really sustainable one is good people using the new technology. Mm. We asked the survey respondents what the biggest challenges were they were facing looking to the year ahead. And the top three with the bronze position being the economic environment, so still some uncertainty for them, particularly those that were exposed to international markets was creating challenge. The in second position, the silver went to supply chain. So that was, uh, you know, if you were exposed to international shipping challenge, material availability, that was in number two. And the number one in the gold position, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> drum roll, please. Uh, look, remained people. And w- the the big thing about people was, and, and we kind of didn't dig into it perhaps as much as we should. They may well have been referring to the availability of people. But then when we got down to it, um, we really sort of drilled into what are the things that matter most, and it's the soft skills. This is what's lacking, and and this is a consistent story across uh, all the literature today, is there's a massive shift. As everything digitizes and goes AI and the world gets more and more tech, there's more and more requirement for these soft skills. And they're the ones that are hardest to train for. And it's the dealing with difficult conversations, keeping people engaged, managing time, leading meetings, being mindful in how they act. And what we've observed as the uh, fundamental cause around some, some of this challenge is 
people in these operational leader roles often come from a technical background. Mm. They're very strong technically or functionally, but then they get promoted into a leadership role and no one's ever taught them what great leadership looks like. What are those soft skills that I need to develop mm. to be an effective effective people leader? So we know that drives a lot of, a lot of challenge in this. And when your organisation is already under supply challenge for people, mm. if you're not creating a good environment for them, good engagement, good culture, they will leave. And what's the number one reason people leave an organisation? Their manager. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it kind of comes back to that, doesn't it? That that's that biggest threat. There's a, there's a fairly that that threat of the um, moving to Australia, as Australia experiences the same kind of snapback and has more opportunities and bigger bigger opportunity all of that it's a fairly existential kind of threat really so we have to get our heads around how do we counter that i don't know that the leaders saw that so much and it makes me worry it makes me worry that there's a certain amount of complacency that we've weathered the storm that people have stood up that they've got there We've done, you know, we talked about about training, which is an obvious way of developing the skills as well as engaging talent. And it turns out what we call the good news, the tiniest sliver of a majority, a majority that Donald Trump would have been very, very happy with, by the way. It, well, actually, even delighted because it's over 50%. That their ops team, they did train their ops team in management skills last year, but actually most people didn't. You know, nearly as many didn't, 49.1%. And the bad news about that is that of those 50%, probably most are still using inst instructor-led training. They're still using workshops and they're using personal coaching. And what we know is that that's not, that doesn't work for soft skills of management. It doesn't embed the learning. Doesn't embed the learning. It doesn't reinforce the learning. It's too kind of, you know, in the moment and not enough about making it sticky. And certainly can't be done at scale either. Absolutely. And we also asked what could your ops teams be doing better to, to our survey respondents and top three there were quality, mm. getting the basics right consistently, mm. um, people management, working together to find solutions, not just talk about the problem. Mm. So that's about elevating their thinking, being more proactive in what yep. they what they do. Yep. And certainly more self-management, resilience in a, in a fast-changing environment. Mm. And when you're trying to drive productivity, you've got new technology coming on board, you've got lots of uncertainty and complexity in your market. Mm. If you don't have people that can adapt and grow with what's, what's going on, mm -hmm. you're in for a really challenged environment too. And the same thing is true of the quality piece as well. You know, it's so frustrating for us to see poor quality and you go, well, how did that happen? You know, who wasn't thinking? Who, who didn't kind of take that next step of going, oh, that might not work? Um, and if we're, you know, if we're talking about productivity, one of the fastest ways to improve productivity is to reduce, eliminate rework, which means get it right first time, get it right in the first place so you don't have to go back and redo it. It's just a waste, a complete waste of resources to have to go back over and, and, and redo stuff. So it does all come back to the same thing around, um, you know, kind of how do we engage our people so that they think, and that's absolutely about the manager. It is. And we're seeing this theme evolving in our client base, which is the over-reliance on a few star performers. Mm. A few people that are just kind of holding it, holding it together, mm. uh, but that, that can't last, last forever. Those people either blow up or they, mm. or they depart if you don't find a way to support, get support in around them as well. 
And look, to, to an extent, that's about how you train them to do that, how you train them to diffuse their own leadership so that they are, you know, kind of, the organisation is less, depend on, less dependent on them. So the challenge with increasing productivity is that we're trying to do that in the context of a gap in the level of skill and capability and indeed capacity that we've got. We, you know, to drive productivity, we do need to have people who are smarter, who are more skilled and who are being managed in a way that enables them to improve the processes that drive productivity. Because in the end, that's the name of the game. We've seen this in lots of organisations where, yeah, you know, we've kind of worked with senior teams and they've, they've done better and the business has gone better. When you get right down to team leaders and operational leaders, they start to empower the, the, the people on the floor. That's when the culture gets transformed and that's when the business results start to fly because they're eliminating rework. They're saying, oh, at last you're listening to me. That's what productivity is about, is the people on the floor know what goes wrong. Who's asking them? Who's enabling them? Who's listening to them? That takes, that's why we need to train people in management, is the ability to listen and make decisions about how to change to improve that productivity. So yeah, we call it people-powered productivity. It's the return on investment we get from investing in managers. We get a better workforce. A better workforce is, is thinking more. And if they're thinking more and evolving better, we get higher productivity, we get more competitive. It's, you know, that's, that's the equation, really. Um, it's, it's how we improve our competitiveness. It's how we, both in the market, and even more importantly, the, the market for talent. And that's what we're gonna get our head around. You know, while we're concerned about our markets and our competitiveness uh, from a kind of price point of view or, or feature attractiveness or whatever else, our real challenges as businesses is our competitiveness for the talent that's in such short supply. So true, Mike. So with the people-powered productivity, certainly something the Breakthrough can, can help with. Yep. Uh, we'd be delighted to have a discussion about how we might be able to help your organisation. And if you would like a copy of our full Voice of the Ops Leader survey report, please have a look in the show notes and we'll provide a link in there for you to access that info. And look, let's, let's leave with the question we finished the webinar with. What are you going to do to stop your best people buying a one-way ticket to Australia in, in the next 12 months? Is, is locking them in at work, is that, is that an option? Yeah, well, we tried to close the airline, but that hasn't kind of worked. No. The, the government could, no, probably not. We, no, we seem to want them over here, don't we? That's not going to work. I, I think we're just going to have to um, invest in them, pay them more, train them, and make the work more interesting. That should do it. Easy, we'll do that next week. Done. <laughs>